when someone is hurting, how should you respond? That's the big question I want us to look at together this morning. And this morning, I want to let you know that I'm not speaking to you as a politician. I'm not speaking to you as any kind of political pundit. Instead, I'm speaking to you as your pastor and as a proclaimer of Jesus Christ. And my hope is that you'll receive this message first and foremost, not as a Republican, not as a Democrat, not as an Independent, but as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And as a disciple of Jesus Christ, I want to let you know that many, many African Americans in our community, in our country, and in our church are hurting during this time. And my guess is you've probably heard the cries of pain in the form of protest in the streets. You've probably seen the tears on the news. And it's likely that many of you have also seen the videos that have reopened old wounds in our country. A video of George Floyd. There in the video, George died after a white officer knelt on his neck and his back for eight minutes and 46 seconds. There with, with people filming and watching, he cried out for breath, he cried out for life, and he cried out for his mom. And then closer to home, there was another video of Ahmaud Arbery down in South Georgia in a neighborhood there. He was running when he was chased down by uh, a couple of people and he was shot and killed and it was filmed as well. And my guess is you, you've probably seen these videos or you've seen clips of them and, and some people I know have kind of written them off as isolated incidences, but there are many other videos, there are many other stories of horrendous killings and, and rather than seeing them as isolated incidences, I, I want you to know that, that many people are viewing these through the lens of the past, that they're seeing them and they're reminded of our country's history with the race-based institution of slavery. People are seeing them and remembering that actually, you know what, the civil rights era was only about 50 years ago. It wasn't actually that far back in our history. People are, are seeing these and are reminded of the reality of racism in very overt ways and covert ways and how it still exists in our communities today. And, and many people watching are seeing these videos and they're, they're looking to the future. And they're looking to the future with fear because they're afraid that one day they're going to receive a phone call and it's going to be their black son or daughter or niece or nephew or spouse or friend who has been killed next. People in our world are hurting. Which brings us back to the initial question, how should we as disciples of Jesus Christ respond when people are hurting? And this morning there's a lot of different biblical texts we could go to, to to try and answer this question. But since we were already in a sermon series on the parables of Jesus, I thought this morning that we'd look or relook at a parable that you're probably familiar with again. And it's the parable of the Good Samaritan. It's a parable uh, about people who have different ethnicities. It's a parable about someone who is on the ground hurting 
in dire need of help so that their life is spared. It's a parable that, that shows us different types of responses to people who are hurting. And, and Jesus actually lifts up the response that he wants us as Christians to have. And so this morning, we're going to be looking in Luke's gospel in the 10th chapter at this parable, which is a story that Jesus tells to try to reveal to us how we're called to live as disciples in this world. And in Luke chapter 10, we come across this parable when a lawyer, an expert in the law, has come to Jesus and he's trying to test him. And so beginning in verse 25, here's what we find. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. And teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, what's written in the law? What do you read there? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, the man asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And whenever I come to this story in scripture, I always find it amazing that, that people 2,000 years ago kind of do what we do today, right? We're always seeking to justify ourselves and try to kind of get out of what Jesus wants us to do. I mean, here the man hears, he knows the great commandment, love God, love people. But, but he's asking Jesus, okay, well, I mean, who, who do I really have to love? Who do I really not have to love? And so in response to this question, who is my neighbor? Jesus then tells the parable. And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And now by chance, a priest was going down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him. And when he saw him, he was moved with pity or some translations say compassion. And he went to him and he bandaged his wounds and having poured oil and wine on them, then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I'll repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Jesus asked. And the man replied, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. I've preached this passage many times, uh, many different seasons in life, many different locations. Uh, but as I was studying it this week, I, I began to come at it in a new perspective because actually in all my sermons and study, I've, I've never thought much about the man who was hurting on the side of the road, who had fell victim to this group of robbers. I mean, if you think about this guy, this guy, he's, he's just going throughout life. He's heading from Jerusalem, which is about 2,700 feet above sea level, down to Jericho, which is about 800 feet below sea level. So it's, a, it's kind of a treacherous road. There's, there's desolate. There's a lot of rocks people can hide behind. So he's just going down the road, minding his own business, doing nothing wrong. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, these robbers come. They, they take everything he has. They strip him of his clothes. 
And then they beat him. They beat him and they leave him half dead, lying there on the path. And now this word half dead here is, is interesting because the word here implies that he was injured so badly that if someone didn't come along the way and help him, then he would die. I mean, this man, he's in desperate need of someone to just see him and come and help him. And then he'll, he'll live, he'll have another day of life. And I mean, this week I've been putting myself in this story. I mean, I want you to imagine, I mean, if this was you, if you were there lying on the side of the road, hurting, what would you want? I mean, what would you be crying out for? I know I, I would just be, be, I'd probably be yelling as much as I could. I, I would be praying. I would be praying, God, please just send somebody, anybody down on my path. And as the man waited there on the side of the road, the minutes probably felt like hours and the hours probably felt like days in the sun. And so Jesus tells us this man is just lying there, hurt in need of help. And then, I never noticed this before either, Jesus says, by chance, by chance a priest walks by. And at that moment, I mean, if you were hurting on the ground, you'd probably be thinking, thank you, God. Someone has answered my prayer. Someone has come here to help me. And the person who comes by, I mean, it's not just anybody. This is a priest. This is someone whose vocation is to take care of people's religious needs, to take care of people. And so this man is probably thinking, thank you, God, for sending someone to help me. But this priest, as you know, he sees the man. He sees the man beaten, hurting, in need of help. He sees the man lying on the side of the road. And he passes by on the other side. Now, I, I'm not innately the most hopeful person. And so if that was me on the road, I mean, I probably would have kind of given up hope. But perhaps you have more hope than I do. Perhaps you have more natural strength than I do. So perhaps, you know, you, you'd be hopeful for the, for the next person to come by. And so maybe the Samaritan, he, he's crying out still for someone to come. He's praying, God, send someone my way. And then another person comes by. I mean, on this, this desolate road, another person comes by who's a Levite, another religious character. And what does he do? He sees the man. He sees the hurting man. And then he does the same thing. He moves on to the other side of the road. And now in his parables, Jesus doesn't always give us every detail. We don't always know what people are thinking and why they walked by. I mean, perhaps they didn't stop because they didn't want to get their clothes dirty. Perhaps they had an appointment in Jerusalem and, and they said, you know what, I, I, gotta, I gotta get there. Or, or in Jericho, perhaps they said, I gotta get there. I'm on, I'm on the road. I gotta keep going. Maybe they're just like, this is a mess. Or maybe they thought, you know what, this guy, he was wearing flashy jewelry or maybe, you know, they felt like uh, he kind of deserved it and they just kept walking. Maybe they walked by other people and so they were kind of immune to it all. We don't know exactly why they walked by, but all we know is these religious people see him This person in need of help. This person who's hurting. And they walk on by. And friends, if I can just speak plainly to you this morning. 
during the last few weeks as I've been listening to African-American pastor friends, as I've been talking with brothers and sisters in Christ who are African-American, one of the themes that's continued to come up in conversations that I've been hearing is that a lot of people right now, particularly the black community, feel like a lot of people are seeing their hurt. And a lot of the religious people, including their brothers and sisters in Christ, are, are just walking on by. And whenever I've heard this, it, it, it stung. It stung because in my heart, I know, I know it rings true. I mean, at least for me. Because when it comes to issues surrounding race and conversations, I mean, I mean a lot of times it's just very uncomfortable for us to talk about and have dialogue with um, and, and to just try to have, have a conversation about, right? It's, it's very uncomfortable. It's also wrong true because it's easy for us to, to not want to think about racism in our world, to not want to, to think about it being a reality today. You know what? It's not fun to think about how racism still exists, not, not just out there, but also in here in many different forms. It's not fun to reflect on those things. I've also been thinking, you know what, this rings true because you know what, the hurt and the pain is messy. And a lot of us, you know what, we just want to keep going about our lives and we just want to kind of change the channel. And, and people I know are just waiting for the next news story. But as followers of Christ, we have to remember Paul's words when he wrote this, if one part of the body suffers, all suffer. We need to be with those who are suffering. We're called to help those who are hurting. And so here in this parable, I mean, Jesus reveals to us that, that in this season of our country's life, we, we don't need to be avoidant. We don't need to just see the pain and keep walking on the other side of the road. Instead, we need to take a step closer to the pain and to the hurt and to the suffering. And if you think about the parable, I mean, that's what we see the Samaritan doing. And this is the twist in the story that a lot of people weren't expecting. I mean, because Jesus hears, I mean, they're, they're largely Jewish here and they're assuming the man on the side of the road is Jewish. And so when Jesus reveals the hero of this story, the one who does what is right, it's a Samaritan. It's someone who is ethnically different than them. It's someone who believed different things religiously than them. It's someone, if they were having an election, would have voted differently than them. And Jesus lifts this guy up as doing the right thing because this man, he's walking down the road just like the other two. He sees the man hurting and in pain and he doesn't choose to avert his eyes. He doesn't choose to cross on to the other side of the road. Instead, he does something else. And Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in his final speech, the final speech he ever gave in Memphis on the night before he was assassinated, he tries to kind of get in the head of, of the Samaritan that day. And he said this, he said, you know what, the priest and the Levite, when they saw the man in need, they said to themselves, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? That was their question as they walked down to the road. If I, if I stop and help this person who is hurting, what will happen to me? But the Samaritan actually asked a very different version of that question. He said, if I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? And I think that's the question 
before us this morning as, as Christians, if we're not going to stop and help, what will continue to happen? I think here in this parable, as we read it once again, Jesus is calling us to live in this world like the Samaritan, to do what he did, to come near to those who are hurting and do whatever it takes to help them. That's what we see him doing. I mean, if we kind of boil it down to two things, the first thing we see is that the Samaritan, he didn't walk to the other side. He, he came near. That's what Luke tells us. He came near to the person who was hurting. And I think during this season, in regards to our African-American brothers and sisters and, and African-Americans in our country, I think that's what we as Christians need to do. We need to come near to other people, not to avoid the suffering and the difficult conversations. We actually need to take a step closer. And I think one of the easiest ways that we can take a step closer is, is to come near and simply listen. Come near and simply listen. Because everybody has a story. And it's easy to, to search out sound bites that agree with what we already think about. But if you actually come near and begin listening to different people, you'll actually hear a different story from every person. I mean, even if they go to the same church as you do, you're going to find that their experience is different. Even if they went to the same schools as you did or maybe live in the same city you do, they're experiencing the world differently than you are, differently than I am. And I, I think as Christians, we're called to come near to other people who are hurting and who are in pain and we're called to listen to them. But I think we're also called to come near through learning. Not by just thinking, you know what, all this stuff is in the past and I'm trying to move forward in the present. No, I, I think we need to come near through learning learning more about history and the history of racism in our country. I think we need to come near and learn more about, about the present realities of racism and all, all of its different forms. I think we need to seek out knowledge and perhaps even perspectives that are different than our own so that we can try to begin and understand the hurt and the pain that people are going through. I think we need to come near in this season to those who are hurting through listening and through learning. But then if you think about the Samaritan, he didn't, he didn't just come near, he, he also went a step further. He saw the man, he came near to him, and then he did whatever it took to help the person who was hurting in need. He did whatever it took. I mean, if you, if you, if you look here in the story, I mean, he, he spends his money he, he, he gives extravagantly to help this person who was in need that he didn't know. He, he got messy, he got dirty because as he was cleaning up the man and, and carrying him, I'm sure his clothes got ruined and it was, it was complicated. You know what? He probably had somewhere he was headed to and that, that went out the window. And he said, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna love and I'm gonna care for this person who's right in front of me in need right now. And this week I've been thinking, you know what? When he, when he loaded this, this man up, the Samaritan man loaded this hurt Jewish man up and rolled into town. He also risked his reputation and, and probably his safety as people began thinking, what's going on here? Because they were probably assuming that the Samaritan hurt the Jewish man, not that the Samaritan was actually helping him. But he didn't care. He didn't care. He simply saw someone 
who was hurting and in need. And he did whatever it took to help them be made whole. And I think that's a message for us during this time as well. I think we're called to do whatever it takes to help others in need. And this week I was talking to one of the police officers, many police officers who serve in our church. And uh, this, this guy has served our community faithfully for many, many years, just like so many other dedicated police officers. He, he's not in it for the money. He's not in it for, for the prestige. He, he gives of himself sacrificially. And so we were talking about the events and I was wanting to get his perspective on it. And he said, you know, I, I saw that video and it, it made me sick watching the officer with his knee on his neck. He said, but you know what? When I watched the, the video of George Floyd, he said, the other thing that really got to me is that there were so many other officers just standing around, seeing the pain and doing nothing. And now uh, we don't know why the others didn't act. But, but during this season, I, I think this is a message for us, I think, I think when it comes to, to the pain and the suffering and the reality of racism in our world today, I think so, so often we think it, it's, it's enough to not be racist ourselves and to just say, you know what? I'm not doing racist things. I'm not thinking racist things. So I'm kind of, I'm good. I've done my duty. But, but here's the thing. I don't think it's enough to just not do it ourselves. I think we have to actively be anti-racist. We have to actually oppose racism whenever we see it in all of its forms. And, and this might be kind of a, a new concept for you being anti-racist, but I mean, the easiest way to think about it is, is with something like drunk driving. I mean, most of us are opposed to drunk driving and we say, you know what? I, I'm not going to do that because I know that it harms other people. But, it, but it's not enough to just simply say, you know what? I'm not going to do that myself. No, we want to protect the community. We want wholeness for everybody. And so we're actually anti-drunk driving. And we say, you know what? We'll, we'll do whatever it takes to help drunk driving not be a reality in our communities. And that's what we need to do when it comes to racism as well. We need to say, look, we're willing to do whatever it takes to root out this sin in our community. And this might cost us friends. This might cost us our reputation. This might, you know, we might have to, to give up on old beliefs that we had. But, but Jesus is calling us here to do whatever it takes to help those who are hurting. And a couple weeks ago, after all this happened, I was talking with one of my friends who's an African-American. And I was just like, you know what? Practically, like, what, what's something I can do? What's something we as white people can do? And he said, you know, Jonathan, there are many meetings, many boardrooms, many decision-making venues and gatherings where, where we're not present. And he said, honestly, I think one of the greatest things you can do is in those gatherings, speak up, speak out, oppose racism, prejudice, bias in any and all forms. We need to do whatever it takes to help those who are hurting. Come near and do whatever it takes. I mean, if, if you think about those two things and you really kind of zoom out from this parable that Jesus is telling, you'll find that, that actually when we look at the gospel itself, 
those two things that the Samaritan did are the two things that Jesus has done for you and for me and for our hurting world. See, when God created the world and gave us freedom and people began to, to, to use that freedom, not for the good, but for, but for evil and began to sin against God and sin against other people and start trying to put themselves above other people. When, when sin just began to infect people and affect everything in the world, God, he didn't just see it and walk by to the other side of the road. No, God in the person of Jesus Christ emptied himself and he came near. He stepped into the mess of our world and the person of Jesus Christ so that you, I, and the entire world could be healed, so that we could be made whole. And Jesus, during his life, I mean, he was always associating with people across ethnic divides and he was always breaking boundaries and hanging out with those who were hurting. His heart was constantly with those who were hurting and those who were marginalized and pushed to the side. And you know what? People didn't like it. It made people uncomfortable. When Jesus was hanging out with people and having conversations and talking and learning and loving these people who looked differently than him, who believed differently, people didn't like it. And ultimately, Jesus, he came near and through his life, we see an example of how we're called to live today. But it was actually through his death that he did whatever it took. He did whatever it took for us to be made healed. He laid down his very life. He shed his blood for you and for me. He said, nothing is out of bounds. I will do whatever it takes for the redemption of these people and for reconciliation. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus's life and death weren't the end. He also rose again. And Jesus rose again as a victorious king who is bringing about his kingdom, a kingdom that's characterized by love, mercy, justice, peace. Jesus is bringing about his kingdom and he invites his disciples, those who follow him, to be a part of his work. He has invited us to pray, God, thy kingdom come on earth like it is in heaven. He's invited us to pray for that to happen. And he's invited us to join Jesus in that work here and now. And so friends, when we see people hurting, we need to have the heart of Jesus. We need to not walk away. Jesus calls us to come near to others, to do whatever it takes and to partner with him as he continues the renewal and the redemption of all things. And so this morning as we close, I wanna close with, with a time of prayer. Not because prayer is the only thing we're called to do as Christians, but because prayer is the first thing we do as Christians. And I think before we go out and we, we start trying to listen and, and start trying to love and, and, and to partner with Jesus in his work, I think we need to spend time with God ourselves in preparation. And so would you bow with me for a word of prayer? God, we come before you this morning and we confess 
that we have not loved you with our whole hearts. We haven't loved all our neighbors as ourselves. God, we have, we have sinned actively against people by the things we've done and we have sinned also by the things we haven't done. And so silently now in our hearts, we confess all the different ways that we've fallen short. God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, help us repent of our sins. Not, not just ask for forgiveness and, and keep living the same way, God, but help us have a new heart. You say that we are new creations. So give us a new heart and help us turn from those old ways of living and turn towards you and your way of life. And God, in these moments, we also ask that you would bring to mind the name or maybe an image of one of our neighbors that you're calling us to love this week. Maybe it's someone who, who doesn't look like us, believe like us. Maybe it's someone we haven't talked to in years, God. But we, we pray right now you would bring to mind people that you're calling us to love in a tangible way. God, we ask this morning that you would fill us with a greater revelation of your love. That you would help us remember the gospel that you have come near to us. You've done what it takes for our redemption. God, help us to experience that personally in our hearts and help that flow not just to us, but through us to others in need particularly the African-American community in this season. God, help us to be people of love. And then finally, we, we, we pray that line from the prayer that your son taught us to pray. God, may your kingdom come on earth, here, as it is in heaven. And help us to have eyes to see hands to work, feet to go as we partner with you in that vision and in that work. We ask all of these things in the name of your son, Jesus the Christ. Amen.